Hello, a little word of warning that this podcast contains swears and use of explicit sexual language. Therefore, it is not suitable for anyone under the age of 18. Or anyone who thinks a long-term relationship is what you do in prison. Hello all, welcome back to the Smut Drop podcast. Yes, this is your weekly roundup to the more eccentric side of sex and relationships from metro.co.uk. I'm Miranda Kane and on this week's show I'm diving into the dusty world of long-term relationships by discovering all the things people don't talk about when they're in them and how you can spice up yours with intimacy coach Dr Alexandra Stockwell. If you like what you hear, then please rate, review, and I hope you're ready, because I'm about to take you up the aisle. Hello, listener. So we cater to many relationship status on this podcast, and this one is for my smug little long-term relationship babes, all those people who have found the one who will hopefully give them support, affection, and hold their hand through life's many challenges. Aww. But please spare a thought for many of us long-term singletons who feel the pressure to get hitched up. Are we all dreading the office parties? Come on, they're coming up. It's the Christmas gatherings. Everyone asking, oh, have you found someone yet? Oh, oh, what a grind. Drop me out. Fortunately for us all, Tanya Mustafa has written for the Metro about all things people don't talk about when it comes to long-term relationships, which, sadly doesn't involve a membership card and a secret handshake. Oh, that would be fun. So look, we all know that long-term love comes with so many benefits when it's right. But they still have many, 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 many challenges. So Tanya spoke to Relate Counsellor Holly Roberts, and she says that culturally in the UK, long-term relationships are celebrated, which might have its roots based in the religious nature of marriage. Oh, religious! Religion, at it again. So whilst you may have found the greatest person to, you know, do life with, there's still going to be lots of less desirable facets that people rarely speak about, including the challenges that Holly spots in her clients. So she says you have to remember that they take constant work and you're going to face lots of life challenges. There are going to be lots of things in life that are going to come up and are going to be very, very stressful. We all know what they are. There's going to be moving house. There's going to be maybe having kids. Uh, There's going to be bereavements, all sorts of stuff. You've just got to make sure that you're there for those challenges together. And love feels different after some time. And I think that's very true. Like, we all know the heart palpitations of a young love. And and we know what it's like when you're a bit more comfortable. And then we know what it's like when you're, oh, feeling the boredom set in. Don't worry, darlings. We're going to talk about that in a bit. And she says another challenge is that you might feel like you're losing your sense of self. Oh, how many times do we feel like we're half of an ampersand? Oh, oh, oh. and then finally she says that the sex can go stale. Oh, oh, don't worry, darlings. That's why we have the Smut Drop podcast. 
Now, there might be a misconception that the length of a long-term relationship equates to the strength of a relationship, but quantity doesn't always mean quality. And if you're feeling that your long-term relationship has become a long-term grind, then go and check out Tanyal's article on metro.co.uk. And of course, keep listening because I have got some golden nuggets of advice from this week's guest. Ladies and gentlemen, gays and theys, we've all heard that same old story. Once you're in a relationship, you swap your sex drive for a tarmac one. Nights of passion become nights of washing and Netflix and chill becomes Netflix and, well, not much else. But this week's guest is here to disrupt the narrative around sexual stagnation in marriages by helping couples discover their excitement, gratification and the joy of a growth-orientated relationship. It's intimate marriage expert, Dr. Alexandra Stockwell. Hello, Dr. Alexandra. Hello, hello. I have to start by telling you that my husband of 26 years was just titillated when I told him, well, I'm getting up tomorrow morning to be interviewed for a podcast called Smut Drop. He thought that was (laughs) just the most fabulous name for a podcast because one could say the most benign, gracious things and rather raunchy (laughs) things and all of it fits in smut drop. And I think that is appropriate for our conversation with some basic things to say and some less basic things to say on the topic. Absolutely. We're all about the low hanging fruit here. Don't worry. We want want the dirt, the smut, the filth. We are looking up at the gutters. So whereabouts are you? you? You're up in the morning. Well, I'm in the San Francisco Bay Area. Well, right now the weather is delightful. The summers can be so mm. hot. But really the thing I want to say is that I was born in New York City. I grew up on the East Coast of the United States. And there's so much winter there and humidity. And so getting to California, I've been here 10 years It just seems so wonderful. And when people would complain about the weather because it was a little bit few degrees away from perfect, I would just think, how ridiculous. This is so wonderful. But now that I've lived here for 10 years, that's become routine for me too. So a little bit of variation. We kind of turn our noses up as though it's the rain in London. (laughs) But really, it's always beautiful here. Okay, so you're you're an intimacy coach for people in long-term relationships and marriages. Let's just start by saying what that means. Yeah, so basically most people believe that you can have, if all goes well, a really great few years. Maybe you're lucky to have up to 10 good years with your partner. And then passion just tanks. It's It goes to marriage to die. Like This is the understanding. And I absolutely am devoted to changing the cultural narrative because there is a kind of passion and connection and intimacy that comes actually with the familiar, with the long-lasting relationship. And so I am devoted to essentially teaching couples how much more is possible for them in the context of a good relationship because the vast there's an epidemic of couples who have what seem to be good solid relationships they're not looking to get divorced they're not fighting a lot they are committed to one another and their life together 
And it's basically a relationship which is conflict-free and passion-free. I call it a relationship of toleration, where we just learn to put up with a kind of dehydration. That is the most common kind of long-lasting relationship throughout the world. Mm. I've heard you speak about compromise. Is that what you're talking about when you when you're thinking about passion free and um, where people have just compromised too much? Absolutely. So the most common relationship advice that's given in the Western world and likely throughout the world is that in order to have a great marriage, in order to have a great long-lasting relationship, you need to be good at compromise. In fact, I've said this and had people then send me screenshots of their Hallmark wedding cards that people wrote, which say, be sure to compromise. It's the key to happiness. It's just absurd. And that is just completely wrong. If you want a bland, pleasant companionship, compromise will absolutely deliver that. But if you want an exciting, dynamic, passionate, intimate relationship, then the key is to be uncompromising. And if I say that, I have to be very sure to define uncompromising. My book is called Uncompromising Intimacy. I talk about how important it is to not compromise a lot, but that does not mean that you become a bully. It does not mean you always get your own way. It's not that sense of not compromising. It's more that when you compromise, you're basically withholding, not expressing your desires your dreams, your challenges, whatever is happening inside you, you don't say that so that your partner can be more comfortable. That's the essence of compromise. Whether it's which restaurant you want to go to, what kind of sex you want to be having, where you want to live, if you don't say it in the name of compromise to keep the peace, that is so your partner is more comfortable. When it comes to being uncompromising, it's about expressing your truth, expressing what you want, expressing what's alive inside you, and learning how to do it in a way that your partner can hear. Because when it comes down to it, in the con- not with a one-night stand or dating or early in relationship, but with a long-lasting relationship, pretty much everything which isn't sex functions as foreplay. It's either bringing you closer together a lot or a little or pushing you further apart a lot or a little. And the thing is that when you compromise and you don't say what's true for you, it is at a microscopic level, sometimes much bigger, a form of disconnecting. You're not sharing who you are. And when you get to the bedroom There's no switch that you can flip to share all of who you are and be passionate and open your heart and open your legs. Like we don't have the capacity to be fully present in the way that passionate sex invites and maybe requires if throughout the day we're cutting corners on our soul and compromising and essentially amputating elements of our being. But what does that look like in 
real terms. So say you've been with someone for like 20 years and you're you're listening, you've um you've read Uncom- your book Uncompromising Intimacy or listening to you now and you're like, yeah, I'm going to start actually throwing out there what I want. So where do you start and how does that look like? What does the conversation start with? Yeah, I'll be glad to give some examples from my own marriage, but I'll say that In my book, I cover six keys to an intimate marriage, and they are the ways to become uncompromising. And the first one, which I start with because it is low-hanging fruit, it is very easy to implement, and people are surprised the impact it has, and that is to cultivate curiosity, to ask open-ended questions. There's this statistic in North America anyway that couples talk for less than four minutes a day about anything other than logistics and kids, which by the way, neither one of them are especially sexy topics. So when we fall in love, part of that experience is having this insatiable curiosity. We want to know everything. Where did you get that scar? And what were the vegetables you liked eating when you were a child? And what did you want to be when you grew up? And what did you think you'd be doing? You know, it can be the most grand or the most mundane. We just are so curious about a new lover if it's going to be a serious, lasting relationship. And then things become familiar and safe, and that's wonderful. Like, that is one of the benefits of a long-lasting relationship, that we get that feeling of safety, but it should never come at the cost of the curiosity. But most couples just they think they know what their partner's going to answer. They've already had that conversation before, and it creates a kind of staleness in interactions. And so to become uncompromising starts with asking open-ended questions, things you're genuinely curious about. There's no right or wrong answer, and you can't possibly know what the response will be. It can be whimsical, it can be serious, it can be sexual, spiritual. So sure, if you want to go ahead and start with, what's a sexual fantasy you've never told me? Most people, that's not the place to start. The place to start would be more like, (laughs) if you could have dinner with any celebrity alive or dead, who would it be and what would you ask them? Or what was the highlight of your week last week? Or if you could be president or prime minister, I'll say, of any country, which one would it be and what policies would you implement? You're asking questions that you just don't know what the answer is, and it's an invitation for your partner to share more of who they are. And if they don't ask you the questions back, they don't get the hang of it right away, you go ahead and share your answers anyway. That is a place to start. And, you know, I gave a talk once and I taught, there was a woman in the audience who was there for another event. She didn't even come to hear me speak, but she was in the room. And so she listened and she went home. She'd been married 31 years and she started asking her partner questions. They had a good marriage. That's why she didn't choose my talk. But she wrote me afterwards and said, it was amazing. We felt more connected than we'd felt in years. Mm. Oh, do you know what? It's it's so funny you mention that because throughout lockdown, 
I saw a really big increase in um, like conversation card games. And it was like, oh, me and my partner have been locked indoors and we started asking each other these random questions. And it'd be things like, you know, would you rather games or, you know, truth or dare kind of thing. And it just seemed to be like all over my newsfeed, all over my timeline, all these new games that all relied on the couples getting to know each other because they were asking these random questions. So it, you know, totally makes sense. Yeah. And the thing is that those kinds of questions have a function early in a relationship and they have a much deeper function, quite honestly, in a long term relationship where you just open up how much you're connecting. And one of the reasons that this is so essential, especially in the context of a discussion about smut, is that when it comes to a long-lasting relationship, emotional connection and emotional intimacy is a prerequisite for having fantastic sex. You don't even need to know your partner's name in a one-night stand, and you can have a grand time. But if you're going to wake up in bed next to the person, be making financial decisions, all kinds of logistics, children, whatever, then you need to feel a little emotional intimacy to be interested and available for other kinds of intimacy as well. So there's a lot of value in upping the quality of communication, if for no other reason because you want to be having better sex. Now, I'm going to throw a little spanner in the works because I think a lot of people, especially, I don't know whether it's just British people, but a lot of people that I've met have been more open to having their fantasies fulfilled by a total stranger. Like in in sex work, for example, we get a lot of people who are like, oh, I couldn't do this with my wife or my girlfriend or my partner or something. And for them, having it in that separate hour means that they can just go wild they don't have to it's they don't have to wake up in the morning and look at each other in the eye or go go and meet the parents or pick up the kids afterwards do you know what I mean so so why is that why for you is it better to have that emotional connection okay this is actually a very profound question and since in the communications before we Uh, spoke, one of the things that was in that email was about a deep, meaningful conversation. I'm going to actually go deeper than I normally would in this question. And that is related to the fact that in our childhood, we learn from our caregivers, our parents or whoever it is who's taking care of us, we learn what love feels like. And most of the time, what we experience with our parents is a welcomeness to be certain ways, but not all of ourselves. And so we have the experience that love include that the feeling of love includes compromise. Does that make sense how I'm saying it? So certainly when it comes to sensuality and sexuality, most people are expected to behave and not masturbate in the family home, you know, not have anybody be aware of it, not be enjoying our food too much, like whatever sensual experience, we're not supposed to do that with the people that we learn what love feels like with. And this then is something that really, it can absolutely be healed and transformed, but it's something we bring to our adult relationships. And so 
there's the phenomenon of the Madonna whore complex where Mm. uh, many men in heteronormative relationships are comfortable, even though it can be unconscious. I'm not saying that the men who do this are bad or small minded. It's a part of societal conditioning, but we end up, they end up looking at women either as someone like Madonna, not the singer, but Jesus's mother, you know, pure and virginal and nurturing and just and untouchable. Kind of the good, untouchable, yeah. yes. And then another woman is going to be the whore, the slut, the paid sex worker, the one who's going to have no judgment with whatever it is that you want to experience and it's a very clean and then complete interaction. And in fact, I think the enlightened, mature, self-accepting woman who's connected with her desires wants to have access to both aspects in herself. The whole thing about being uncompromising is being able to be a mother, be a successful professional, and be a slutty wife as well as a very clean-cut wife for family pictures at the holidays. Like We want to access the whole human range I don't want to generalize. I'm not speaking for everyone, but I think that given acceptance and curiosity Mm. that we feel more alive and more available for passion in our marriages and committed relationships when we have access to a wider range of our human expression. Yeah. So it's like if someone doesn't ask you about (laughs) <laughs> what you like and you you don't and you hold back then of course they're never going to find out they're never going to find out this different facet of you they're never going to know that you've got all these different ranges within you you can be the madonna you can be the whore you can be a smutty housewife in between and we don't know it either like it's not just on our partner to perceive it it's also on us to consider that we might be more then we've accessed all of us have dormant aspects in our soul and we get to choose do we want to be a little more creative do we want to be a little more this fetish or that fetish and in fact i think another thing to be very clear about is that one of the biggest positive predictors for having a long lasting happy sex life with with the person you're in a relationship with is talking about sex. Now, I don't know how it is in Britain, but I do know how it is in the United States where the majority, the vast majority of couples are far more comfortable having sex than talking about sex. And the thing is that only 9% of couples that don't talk about sex with the person they're having sex with report being sexually satisfied. And I've worked with many married couples where in the case where the husband has hired escorts or other sex workers and can say all kinds of turned on raunchy explicit things that he would never say to his wife even when she'd like a little bit more of that side of him yeah she's like yeah you know i thought you just didn't want to have that in your life. But if you do, I want you to have it with me. Mm. That is a very complex situation, but it gets back to 
what we learn love is in our childhood and really needing to expand that love includes purity and smut and good intentions and spicy moments. <laughs> and that happened to a friend of mine where she discovered her, like, her boyfriend was sending messages to a girl who was like, call me slut, call me a whore. And she said, Miranda, I found myself at three o'clock in the morning screaming at him to say, why aren't you calling me a slut? Why aren't you calling me a whore? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> They're happily hitched now. They've got a baby on the way so it just goes to show little bit of conversation I'm guessing he learned to call his woman a slut (laughs) who knew that's the secret to (laughs) happiness but there's a lot to it less about being called a slut or not and more in my opinion about being able to be fully expressed because it is the biggest passion killer to have to just amputates aspects of ourselves Mm. in bed and out of bed. And you said there were six keys to uh, uncompromising intimacy. What else would you recommend? What else is another one? Another one is embrace honesty. Now, this Mm. is not about lying or not lying. That's not really, I'm, I'm not working with couples where there's, you know, hiding of bank accounts or Um, I did give the example of a couple with infidelity, but like we all know, well, I hope we know that ideally you're not lying to your spouse, but I'm talking at a much uh, more nuanced level. Well, actually, I'll start by saying I think one of the biggest lies that a lot of women tell is faking orgasm. And Mm. I understand the expediency of faking orgasm to just, you know, get something over which isn't working get on with the day we've got shit to do yeah you know you start thinking of your grocery shopping list but (laughs) the thing is that every time a woman fakes orgasm she's training her lover to do what isn't actually working and so she's gonna Mm. have less pleasure because she's contributing to giving a false understanding of what feels good to her. So that is a really explicit example. But when I think of embrace honesty as one of the keys to being uncompromising and creating long-lasting intimacy and passion, I think of things like you walk in the door and your partner says, hey, honey, how are you? How was your day? And you say, fine. But it wasn't fine. You just don't want to be too much and too emotional or you just want to put it out of your mind, even though it's oozing around your soul and everyone can feel it wasn't a good day. Like there there are a lot of situations where we think we're doing our partner a favor to just camouflage the reality underneath. And so if you want better sex, then I recommend when you're not fine and someone says, how are you? I mean, not someone, your partner, then you either say, I'm just feeling really shitty, but there's a way to say that that doesn't like smear your partner and have them feel shitty too. You can leave them feeling however they're feeling and just take more responsibility and say, you know, I feel shitty, but I'm going to take a shower and I'll be fine. Or actually, 
I don't want to talk about it, but I'm not fine, but let's just leave it where it is. Like, it doesn't mean you need to unzip and spill your guts. There's a way to just affirm the perception that your partner has. These are ways to embrace honesty that if you think of it, how it translates in the bedroom, there's just more responsiveness, more nuance, more attunement to what feels good and what doesn't feel good. Now, that's not the only reason to do it. It also Mm. feels better in day-to-day life when you know what's going on. In many ways, it's an antidote to codependence so that you can really be in how you feel and your partner can know what that is and not be left guessing or needing to ignore it. Oh, see, I love that because I'm a big fan of all these memes that you see where it's the woman and she's in bed with a man and you see her thought bubble saying something like, is he thinking about me? Is he thinking about what we've just done? Is he all right? Uh, Is he thinking about where we're going on Saturday? And like the man's thought bubble is who would win in a fight, a man-sized chicken or a chicken-sized man. Do you know what I mean? It's like, and being able to have that conversation when you turn around and you say, what are you thinking about? And they go, nothing. But instead, if they say, oh, I'm wondering who would win in the fight, then it's like, oh, that's why you're quiet. Okay, you know, carry on. Do you know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. And if we take these two keys with cultivate curiosity, Mm. that would be asking the question, what are you thinking about? Or how are you feeling? Perfect. But you could also use embrace honesty where it's really not brutal honesty. That Mm. does not contribute to more intimacy, but vulnerable honesty. So for the woman who's used these skills in less confronting, more benign contexts, a real power move would be, you know, I'm lying here hoping that what your mind is on is how amazing that felt. Although I know that it may be anywhere. (laughs) Again, this is an advanced move because I really encourage all of my clients to use curiosity and honesty in really benign situations, but then you can take them to any situation. And when you know how to use these tools and you both know what's happening, and so it's not just out of left field, he's going to think, He can't tell the truth, but if you've done this enough, he can. And there's a way that that makes for more closeness. When did you start doing all these things? When did you discover these keys and and how? Oh, well, let's see. First of all, I'm a child of divorce. My husband's a child of divorce. And when we got married, I was completely in love with my husband. And I just assumed we'd get divorced because I just didn't know any other way. Mm. And When I was partway through my medical training, I did a cultural sensitivity training because we had uh, patients from all over the world and needed to learn how to be respectful and aware in our interactions. And in the course of doing that cultural sensitivity training, we also all identified our own culture. And so I just assumed I come from a quirky New York Jewish family. This is my cultural bias. But when I did the exercises, what I discovered is actually my cultural bias is being a child of divorce, that when I meet someone whose parents got divorced when they were between the ages of six and 12, they're my people, like we understand one another. And it 
showed me how I'm not against divorce, but it just our childhood impacts how we perceive the world. This shouldn't be news to anybody. And it inspired me to really put more attention and figure out, is it actually possible? And what exactly are the steps that I need to take to create not just a lasting relationship, but a lasting, fantastic relationship? Mm. And so I've really come to the conclusion that having a fantastic relationship is a learnable skill. And the main problem is that we lack the education. Mm, it's such a, that's a really good point. Also, what I love is that these are all practical things. What we don't do is think about relationships as what you're saying, as as a learnable skill. It's something that you you keep working, you keep learning about. And these are all practical things. I can send my listeners home with homework. That's what I love. Go and ask your partner open questions tonight. You know, be open to honesty, embrace honesty and, you know, take response. Like these are things that are, are doable. They're practical. Well, of course, because they have to fit in in the midst of everything else going on in life. Mm. And every one of these things is truly a skill. Mm. So start wherever you are. Start with the question that's easy to ask mm. and the it's going to lead to an answer that's going to be easy to hear. When it comes to embracing honesty, look for the smallest thing like maybe you wish the light were turned out or turned on. You know, it does don't start with something that has a lot riding on it. Mm. Become comfortable with these skills and then dial up the context in which you use them. Mm. If you if you could go back to when you were just starting out on your marriage, what would be the one piece of advice that you'd want to take back to to young Dr. Alexandra? Mostly that there's hope. Mm-hmm. And it's it's actually amazing to me when I meet new clients a hundred percent of the time when I say, you know, what have you received from this conversation? At least one of them says hope. And the other piece of that hope is that it really is a journey, especially for someone like me, who's ambitious, high achieving, professional. I like to do things right. I can't stand when there's spelling errors on my website. (laughs) I have a bigger fit than my website people's other clients. I want things done properly. Mm. And this is not a realm where that's available, that you get to do it properly at the outset, or there's any point at which you can mark off that was done perfectly and now doesn't need any more attention. Mm. Things can be done exquisitely well, but they still need attention and intention going forward. They're... they're they're not corporeal. They're not like um, there's a beginning, middle and end and a teacher marking your book saying gold star, well done. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's corporeal. It's getting incorporeal and corporeal mixed up. Sorry, but (laughs) it's, well, it's, it's evolving. Evolving. That's the better word. Yes. That's why you're a doctor and I'm a podcast host. That (laughs) definitely. And if people want to listen more, where can they find you? Come find me at alexandrastockwell.com. You can 
find my book, Uncompromising Intimacy, my podcast, The Intimate Marriage Podcast. I'm on Instagram, Facebook. You're welcome to DM me at any time. And all of that begins at alexandrastockwell.com. That's amazing. Thank you so much for joining us on The Smut Drop, Dr. Alexandra Stockwell. Thank you. How fascinating. Look, listeners, I am a permanent singleton, but even I took away some really good tips there. And if you want to know what more keys are to uncompromising intimacy, make sure you head over to Dr. Alexandra's website. I took so much from that. Like I said in the podcast, I really love that she's looking at relationships like a learnable skill. There is no set way to do them. It's, it is always evolving. And I love the fact that all of her advice is based around practical things you can do. And that's what I want you to do. I want you to go outside now and speak to someone, speak to your friend if you're single or speak to your partner if you're in a relationship and start asking them some open-ended questions. You had a few from Dr. Alexandra there. Uh, Another one that I quite like is if you had any kind of condiment that you could squeeze out of your nipple, what would it be? I'm I'm a buffalo sauce girl myself. Bit spicy on the nips, but... There you go. I'm just that kind of a lady. Well, what can I say? What another party in your ears. Thank you so much for listening to this week's Smut Drop. It really does mean a lot. And of course, if you've got any sexy tales and saucy stories, then send them over to me. I'm also looking for questions and suggestions. Have you got a kink you command? Can you teach us a thing or two about your favourite fetishes? I want to hear from you. If you want to come and be a guest on the show, let me know. You can slide into my DMs. Just look out for Miranda Kane on Twitter, TikTok and Instagram or email smutdrop at metro.co.uk. I've been Miranda Kane. Smut Drop was produced by Pineapple Audio Production for Metro.co.uk. And if you're enjoying this little slice of audio pie, then please, please leave me a nice review. In the meantime, I'm going to be back to prick up your ears next week. <laughs> 